We're in a new series that Dan started for us last week, and we're going through the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. The beauty about the parables is that um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's wanting them to listen. He's wanting them to respond, and he wants us to respond. We'll be in 20 verses. Take about five minutes each verse. That was a joke. There we go. You got it. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn to page 977 in the Pewback Bible in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can keep that Bible for you. That is our gift to you from us. Mark chapter 4. What we'll do this morning is we'll read the entire section 1 through 20, and we'll focus our time in 13 to 20, only because in the first nine verses, Jesus is telling the parable, and no one understands what's going on, and then in verses 10 and 13, he tells his disciples, listen, you're supposed to understand this, so I'm going to tell you the meaning, because I want you to respond, and then beautifully, Jesus in 13 to 20 tells us exactly what he means, so we don't have to be confused about how we apply this parable So we read Mark chapter four, verse one. Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on land. So Jesus is in the boat. He is in the sea. Um, the, The area where Jesus does this actually provides like an amphitheater vibe and feel to it so that he can speak and teach and he's able to be heard by hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many people are there during this time, but by by many people. Verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Verse seven. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was done, when he was alone with, excuse me, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Verse 13, and he said to them, do do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy, verse 17, and they have no roots in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
and others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Last verse, 20. This is where he wants us to be. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. This is the parable of the sower. I, I love this parable because this parable is somewhat an umbrella parable because Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples. He's trying to tell his disciples that he wants them to hear, he wants them to listen, and he wants them to respond, right? The parable of the sower is an invitation to respond to the word of God with obedience. And in one sense, the parable is showing us the condition of hearts. Jesus illustrates four kinds of hearts here, three of which reject the gospel. They reject the teaching of Jesus. They reject the word of God. And there's only one heart, the condition in which it receives, it responds to the words of Jesus. And in another sense, this parable is also about why people reject the gospel. Why do people decide that they do not want to hear, they do not want to receive, they do not want to respond, they do not want to obey? And Jesus' desire for you and me this morning is that you and I always respond to the gospel. Not just a gospel evangelistic presentation, but that you and I every day are responding to the gospel. Many of you came here today, you guys were in a Sunday morning group. Jesus wants you to respond with obedience. You came in this morning to hear the preaching of the word. Jesus wants you to respond to the word. You guys like talking about the Bible and its truths and groups and studies. Jesus wants you to respond. He wants you to obey. He wants you to listen. He wants you to listen with your heart. And your heart can either reject the words of God or your heart will receive it. The question you have to ask yourself this morning is what is the condition of your heart when you hear the preaching of the word, when you study the word, when you discuss the word? What kind of heart do you have when you hear the word of God? Are you a faithful responder? Are you faithfully responding to the word with your obedience or do you reject the word? What is the condition of your heart. Look at verse three really quickly with me. Jesus says, listen, right? This is an imperative, meaning it's a command. Jesus is asking you and me to listen, but not just with our ears, but to listen with our heart. It's not asking just to gather information and collect information. He wants you to respond. I don't know about you, but I enjoy listening to a good podcast. How many of you like enjoying listening to a podcast? Okay. I, I'm the type of guy, I don't like the 20, 30 minute podcast. I like the two, three hour podcast. I put it on 1.5. Um, I'm at 2.5 speed, meaning it's double the speed now. Um, but sometimes I have to go back to the 1.5. Because I just, I love 
I love listening to podcasts. If I'm cleaning my house, if I'm working on the car, if I'm washing the car, if I'm doing something, I want to listen to a podcast, right? Whether on leadership, whether a really long sermon or um, pop culture, politics, whatever it is, I, I just get geeked up to put in my earbuds and listen. And as I'm doing the dishes, I'm like, yes, feed me, feed me, feed me. Here's what I've noticed when I listen to podcasts. I do nothing with it after I'm done. Meaning I do not apply it. I just listen because it feels really good to take in this knowledge and take all this information, right? Like it feels really good because I feel like I'm learning something. I feel like I'm doing something right. I feel like I'm being productive, right? If, if I'm listening to the podcast, I'm being productive. I'm doing the right thing. And when I'm not listening, when I'm not absorbing, if I'm not taking information, somehow I'm not the productive person that I want to be. But the problem is, like I said before, I don't. I don't do anything with the information. I, I don't apply it. And I think the reason why I don't apply it in my own life, because there's too many things going on. I'm trying to do something while I'm trying to listen. And when I'm listening, I'm listening too fast. And I'm listening to multiple things back to back. There's like six podcasts right now that I'm listening to. Right now, as we speak, they're on my phone on Spotify. I have six, six podcasts that I'm listening to. Because I'm not actively listening. I'm not taking in the information and applying it. I think that's the same posture that we often have in our Christian faith. I think the posture of our heart sometimes is that I am a good disciple of Jesus Christ if I'm taking in all this information. I know all the theological terms. I can spit them out. I go to church and I'm listening with my ears. I go to the small group on Sunday or during the week and I'm listening with my ears. I'm taking in a whole lot of information, but that information is not transforming my heart or my mind. And what I'm actually doing is rejecting the information. Because I'm doing a good job listening, but I'm not practicing what it says. And Jesus wants all of us to practice what he is saying. And what the Bible is going to argue and what Jesus is going to argue in the parable of the sower, that if you are a true disciple of Jesus, if you hear the gospel, if you hear the word of God, it demands a response. And your response is obedience. It's putting into practice what you hear, what you're listening to. When the Bible says love your enemy, what are you supposed to do? Love your enemy, not talk about the theological consequences of loving your enemy. So, so why do people reject the gospel? Why do, people, why do people often close their hearts to responding to the word of God, to to rejecting it, that's what he's saying here. Why do they do that? It's because of their condition. Look at verse 14. This is the first condition of a heart. This is the heart of a person who rejects the word of God. This is the hardened heart. Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, where they hear, right? They hear it. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is the heart in which the word cannot penetrate below the surface of the heart. It can't get past 
can't get past the hearing stage. There's no response. Because there isn't a response, Satan, the Bible says, takes it away. He takes away its understanding. He takes away its influence. He takes away its effectiveness. Verse four says, right, that he devours it. And how does Satan devour its effectiveness? Well, John 8, tells us why, that he says he's the father of lies. And because he's the father of lies, Satan often speaks lies. And those lies become a false truth that people often believe. And then in Romans says, what they do is they exchange the truth for the lie. Why? Because they believed the lie. Satan distorts the truth. But notice, Satan doesn't distort the effectiveness of the word because Satan's more powerful than the word, right? We might think and look at this passage, oh, Satan's really powerful, which he is, but he's not more powerful than the word. So, so why is Satan able to take away the effectiveness, the, the ability for the word to dig deep into the hearts of people? Well, the parable tells us because the seed was sown on what? A hard ground. The reason why people often reject the gospel, the reason why people reject the word of God is because their hearts are hardened. They do not want to hear. They do not want to understand. They do not want to respond. They do not want to obey. This was the heart condition of the religious leaders, right? They witnessed Jesus' words. They heard his words. And actually, Mark chapter 8, Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Before then, he feeds 5,000 people. And then the Pharisees are standing there wondering what Jesus is doing and why he's doing and criticizing them. And you know what Jesus says to them? He says, the reason why you don't believe, the reason why you don't understand is because your heart are hardened. You don't want to hear. You don't want to respond. You don't want to believe. You have decided in your heart to close off to the gospel work of Jesus. They refuse to listen. They refuse to believe. This is why Paul encourages the church in Ephesus in chapter four, right? He encourages them not to be like the unbeliever he says in verse 18, because they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to what? The hardness of their heart. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you are the person that First John describes is that you do a really good job of looking like a Christian because you hang out with us, but at the heart of it, you are not a believer. You don't believe, you don't want to believe, your life doesn't look like Jesus, you have no desire to be like Jesus, but you do a good job talking about Jesus, you do a good job acting around your friends as Jesus, but your heart is closed. The gospel truth is to respond, do not let your heart be hardened. Jesus says this all the time throughout the New Testament, especially to the Jews. Remember what God did when he took you out of Egypt and he did so many miracles and the people of God hardened their heart. Don't be stubborn. If that's you this morning, the gospel truth is that the sower who sows the seed 
has a great desire to save you from yourself. Notice too, believer, that the sower sows the seed on the path regardless of the condition of the heart. This is why we're sending teens overseas. This is why I'm going to lead with a bunch of leaders from Campus Focus, our college ministry, in a couple of weeks down to Mexico to preach the gospel, despite whether they respond or not. Why? Because we firmly believe that the gospel truth is for everyone, despite the condition of their heart. And then we pray and plead and beg God, God, break their hearts. Break it so that the seed, the word of God, can be planted and grow. Look at verse 16. This is the shallow heart. Verse 16 describes the person here that is a rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receives it with joy. What does that mean? It's a a temporary emotional response of gladness. They hear it. They're excited. This is great. This is awesome. But what happens? When tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. Hmm. This is a superficial heart. This is the condition of a heart of a person who though understands at some point in their life, they hear it, but they do not count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Mark uses two words in verses 16 and 17. He uses tribulation and persecution. These are two ideas. They're external pressures of being a Christian either through hardship or through attack. This is when being a Christian costs you something. It costs you your relationships. You are rejected by loved ones because you believe in Jesus. You follow Jesus. You are attacked for your beliefs and your Christian ethics in your community. You are ostracized by others. You are made a fool for believing in Jesus. You are chastised for following Jesus. And for some people, your life is in danger for saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. The shallow heart is only content when following Jesus, all your problems go away. A shallow heart says, I want Jesus, but I don't want the problems. I don't want the issues. I don't want the hardship. I don't want the tribulation. I don't want the persecution. And Jesus says, that is not how the seed is sown. The heart that responds to Jesus that says, I am willing to do whatever it takes to pursue him, even if it costs me my life. It may cost me relationships and friendships. I might have to give up some of my freedoms, but I am going to follow Jesus. The responsive heart is the one that's deeply in the word of God, deeply in the person of God, and has no issue, doesn't run away when the going gets tough. In fact, stands firm, right? Listen to what James 1, chapter 1, verse 2 says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. 
What are the various kinds? Well, we kind of see this in the parables, right? Tribulation and persecution. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This is another idea of like faithfulness, loyalty, a faithful loyalty. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The difference between the shallow heart and the receptive heart is the one that counts the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Do you have a shallow heart? Thirdly, in verse 18, it's the distracted heart. And the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. This is the distracted or distressed heart. The preoccupied heart, right? They hear the word at some point in their lives, but they are lured. That's the idea that the Bible is describing here. They're lured by the lie. They're lured and they desire self-indulgence. The worries of the world choke. They strangle the effectiveness of the word. A distracted heart is the one who believes and says in their heart that I am more content, my heart is more at peace when I've accumulated this amount of wealth, whatever the amount is. I am more content, I am more at peace, I am more hopeful, I am more fulfilled when I feel secure or when I feel satisfied from the things that deeply worry me. Remember the story of the young rich ruler, Mark chapter 10? What happens? The young rich ruler who's accum accumulated a lot of wealth goes to Jesus and tells him, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, have you obeyed the commandments? Have you done what is right? He said, yes, I I've done what is right. He says, good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. And then Jesus says, come and follow me. You know what the Bible says about the young rich ruler? It says that he was sad, sorrowful, almost like grieving. Why? Mark says because he had great possessions. He didn't want to give it up. He was unwilling to give up the security, the comfort of his wealth. He was unwilling to decide that the pleasures of life are meaningless when it comes to following Jesus. Right? Paul warns even Timothy to encourage the church. He says this in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in the, presence, in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Right? It's a warning. The warning is, right, that the pleasures of this world, the pleasures of this life are not going to give you hope. That the pursuit of Jesus means that you have to be willing to give it up. And this is not a condemnation on people who are wealthy, right? 
It's not a sin to be wealthy. Jesus and Paul are not saying, hey, listen, you should be poor because wealthiness is somehow a sin. No, what they're, what they're pointing to is this, that when our life, our emotions, and our actions are stirred, are motivated by the pleasures of this world, by the wealthiness of our materialism, when we're preoccupied with everything else that's happening in our world, then we don't have hope in the gospel message of Jesus. We placed our hope, we placed our trust, we placed our faith in something else. And Paul says in Timothy, that certain thing that you're placing your hope in is uncertain. It's temporary. You might lose it. Lastly, this is where Jesus wants us to be. This is the kind of heart that responds to the gospel, that 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 is receptive to the gospel, not just evangelistically, but the person, when they hear the word in preaching, when they hear it in their studies, when they hear it in their reading, when they hear it in their discussions, they respond. This is the responsive heart that Jesus desires you and I to be. Look at verse 20. This is what he says. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I'm actually grateful that he put 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold because I'm barely doing 30-fold, right? Like sometimes we think that we have to be this super-duper Christian and that's not the case. One's response to the gospel, one's response to God's word is determined by the condition of one's heart. Are you the good soil that Jesus talks about In verse 20, is your heart open and available to receive the word? Or is your heart hardened, shallow, or distracted that it cannot respond to the word? If you can't hear the word, if you're not listening to the word, if you're distracted by other things, you're not going to respond. And if you're not going to respond, you can't obey. And if you can't obey, you can't bear fruit. The word of God grows in the life of the believer and it produces good fruit. Jesus is asking us, right? Do you hear? Are you listening to what I'm saying? What's the condition of your heart? Are you the person who's going to reject my words? Are you going to be the person who receives the word? Because there's a blessing in receiving the word. When you receive it, it's going to multiply. It's going to grow you spiritually. You're going to bear fruit. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But you're going to bear fruit. You're going to grow. You're going to look like Jesus. You're going to talk more like Jesus. You're going to think more like Jesus. And as I often say, not perfectly, but faithfully. Do you hear? Are you listening? Are you responding to the word? So maybe you're sitting in this room and you're saying, I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus. I'm in a group, I'm serving, I come every week, I take good notes, look at my notepad, I'm listening. 
And you're asking, so how do I bear fruit? I want to grow more. I, I want to look more like Jesus. Let me give you John 15, 5. Famous passage. Denny Adams' probably favorite verse in the Bible, I think. John 15, 5, this is what it says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch must firmly be attached to the vine if it wants to bear fruit. So you want to bear fruit? Ask yourself the question, are you connected to Jesus? All the time. Are you connected to him? Not just the intellectual practice of talking about Jesus, because I do a really good job talking about Jesus, but, but am I truly connected to his person? Am I abiding in him? Meaning, meaning, is my life consumed by the presence of God? Is my mind more like Jesus? Is my heart more like Jesus? Are my actions more like Jesus? You want to bear fruit? Ask yourself the question, are you connected to the vine? Are you pursuing him? Secondly, the way we bear fruit is if we're drawing nutrition and substance to thrive. Like a branch, it needs nutrition, it needs water. So are you drawing from the word of God? Are you drawing from the presence of God? Are you being strengthened from the vine? Are you growing from the vine? Are you growing from your union with Christ. Another way you can bear fruit is not only by being connected and drawing strength and nutrition, but as I alluded to before, the way you can bear fruit is what James encourages us to do in chapter one. What does James say? But be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, right? You want to bear fruit? Do what the Bible says. If, if the Bible is calling us to listen to the word of God, right? That's what verse three say, listen, then we listen. If the Bible is asking us to obey, if it's asking us to love one another, then we love one another. If it's asking us to pray, then we pray. If it's asking us to read our Bible, we read our Bible. If it's asking us to grow deeper in love with Jesus by the community of saints, by, by preaching the gospel all over the world, by taking seriously the great commandment and the great commission, then we do those things. I think oftentimes we think that the gospel in our Christian faith is far more complicated than what it is, right? That that somehow it, like, it has to be deeper, it has to be more, and it's like, no, if you just did, did what is said. Someone shared this quote with me that impacted me in this sense, the last part, I'll read it to you, it's by a pastor, and this is what this quote says. Um, it says, people say, I wish my church would go deeper. The vast majority of Christians are educated past their level of obedience. If you would just do what you already knew, your life would change. This goes back to the podcast thing, right? I'm consuming a lot of information. We as Christians, we're consuming a lot of information, man. 
We know the theological terms. We can quote the Bible verses. But are we truly obeying the word of God? Christianity, being a true follower of Jesus, is not an intellectual or theological uh, practice. It's living it out. It's doing what the parable is asking us to do, to listen, to obey, to follow. But do you have the ears to follow? Do you have the heart? Do you have the condition of the heart that says, I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to receive. I'm willing to respond. The responsive heart is the one that obeys. This is the heart that is attuned to the voice of the word and listens. What is the condition of your heart? Is your heart hardened? Is your heart distracted? Is it shallow or is it receptive? What is the condition of your heart? If you are a follower of Jesus today, are you faithfully responding to the gospel and its message in your life, your heart, your mind, and your actions. And if you're an unbeliever this morning, and you're one, you fall into one of those three categories, hear me, the gospel is for you. The gospel is for you, in which it rescues you from yourself and sin, and gives you new life so that you can respond to the words of Jesus, so that you can be more like Jesus. So hear the words, come, follow him, pursue him. Have the heart that is receptive. Let's pray. God, would you reveal to us the kinds of hearts that we have when we hear the message of the gospel and for the believer, God, would you, would you, O oh Lord, reveal to us the ways in which that we can respond with obedience to your word in the things that we feel, in the way we treat others, in our relationships, at our job, in our community, in our church. God, give us all receptive hearts, hearts that bear fruit, Hearts that are connected to you, that obey you, follow you. Hearts that do what you do. God, help us, Lord. We ask you to do these things. And the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.